0: To a very strange episode <laughs> of the Total Sucker <laughs> Show. My name is Daryl Grove. I'm in the passenger seat in Taylor's car yeah. on 95 South. Yeah. Behind the wheel. Oh boy. It's Taylor Rockwell. Hello! Behind the wheel indeed. Let's hope we make it home. So we are coming back from Audi Field where we've just seen the United States beat Cuba 7-0. In the CONCACAF Nations League Um, And we've decided to record in the car
1: (laughs) Basically uh, we stayed after uh, For the press conferences For the mixed zone It was a little bit late I think Daryl floated the idea of Hey you just want to do this on the way home As opposed to spending an hour recording And then being like Well now we have a fun two and a half hour drive ahead of us And here we are
0: It's a weird game right Because Cuba were um, With all due respect Low quality opposition There's a whole caveat With everything positive That you take away from this game from the US Yes There's the caveat that it was Cuba, and they weren't very good. Um, So we thought we'd do something a little different, right? So first of all, we'll do it in a car, Mm -hmm. which is weird. A mobile studio. Is it it more professional to call it a mobile studio? Yeah, I think so. Okay, let's call it that. I mean, there shouldn't
1: be too many echoes, so that's good. And then I think this should be our new tradition, that anytime the United States wins 7-0, into the car we go. We just get on 95.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So far, no traffic, by the way. Yeah, that's good. Looking good. Looking good. And we're also... Uh, We're going to review the game. We're not going to review every goal, like goal by goal, seven goals. Yeah, no. I mean, the first two are identical. Yeah. um, We're taking questions from Twitter, so we put the call out. So far, we have 46 questions. Yeah, right. So we may skip over some of them. We'll see. We may skip over some of the repeats. we got a ways to go. We should do. Anything you want to say
1: before we get to the questions? Uh, We are at local exit for uh, Triangle and Quantico, Virginia. (laughs) I'm looking for a mile marker to track how long this episode goes. Anything about the game? mile marker 153 Uh, about the game uh, it was I felt uh, positive I had a couple people point out on Twitter and Instagram that uh, my pushing all of my chips into the middle on this better be a good game seemed to pay off because uh, a 7-0 win is that I take your uh, caveat to to heart that you know it's still Cuba it's not that great of an opponent here's
0: the the positive I take from it it's a 7-0 win where there was almost like a demonstration mm-hmm. of what, especially in the first 30 minutes, especially the first half, um, of what, when Greg Berhalter closes his eyes at night <laughs> and has a beautiful dream about what his US team is supposed to look like, yeah. this is what it's supposed to look like, right? There's the positional play, like, everybody performed their role, you could see, like, players dragging uh, Cuban defenders out of position so that other players could run into the gaps yeah. like I know it's only Cuba but at least now we have a demonstration for people who are maybe curious or who didn't understand yeah. of what Berhalter wants to see he yeah. just want to see this but against uh, good teams
1: yeah and I, I mean and I think uh a point made by uh, several different players that uh, Brad Guzon said a couple times is essentially that like you can't pick your opponent you gotta play who's in front of you yeah. even if unless it's you bribe Kunkaka inf- well uh, yeah in which case maybe that works out <laughs> for you but in, in this case you know you're playing a weaker opponent but that doesn't mean you can slack off if, if anything it means that it's the opportunity to really go at them work on the things you've worked on implement the things you've worked on and hopefully have them succeed as a sign of like yeah see we're working on it we're getting better it's improving now let's see if we can do it against a significantly stronger opposition in the form of Canada
0: yep uh, yeah and I think yeah, that game against Canada on Tuesday is kind of the big test obviously <laughs> they the the uh... The other good team in that group.
1: Yeah. Right? Um, plus, it's just a tougher opponent. I think they're the... Yeah. Of the three, I would say it's us and them, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All
0: right. So, you want to start with the questions? Let's do it. Okay. First question comes from South by Southwick, mm-hmm. um, who asks, does this scoreline equal a success for Daryl? So, if you remember... Yes. I was concerned uh, that Canada had beaten Cuba 6-0 yeah. and then 1-0. So, an average, like a total of 7. So, we needed to win at least 3.5 mm-hmm. nil. 7-0, yes. Yeah. Obviously success.
1: Um, and, and Matt Mia- Double success. Matt Miazga agrees with you, by the way. He, he noted they were very aware of goal difference and how yes. many Canada had hung on Cuba. I thought so. you
0: didn't take me seriously when I talked about goal difference in that
1: preview. I mean, I, I am still less concerned about it. I would rather just beat Canada. But, yeah. but still, all that said, yes, I think you weren't the only one who wanted to make sure that... Did you say blend Canada or beat Canada? Uh, sure, either one. <laughs> either one. Um, okay, next question?
0: Yeah. Oh, by the way, I do want to say... I scrolled through these questions really quickly before mm-hmm. we started recording. Um, you know, sometimes I get frustrated with uh, U.S. Men's National Team Twitter, a lot of negativity no. and stuff like that. These questions are magnificent. Right. Uh, they're mostly
1: like total listeners that we know and love, right. asking really good questions. All right. Uh, I hope that means that they're actually good and not just questions Daryl likes and I hate. We'll find out.
0: No, I'm, th- I'm going through all of them and asking right. uh, everything I can find. Okay. Donald Norman. Mm-hmm. Donald Norman asks or says... It was clear there were rehearsed-slash-understood combinations and overlaps. For example, on the first two goals, Reggie Cannon made the hockey assist pass to Morris, Mm -hmm. um, I believe both times, without having to look to see if the play was on. Why should I care who that was against?
1: I'm not sure you should. I mean, because again, like you can say, well, I'm excited about that, it looks good, let's see how it goes against Canada. But I, I take David's point, which is that like this is like the United States executing a game plan yep. uh, we heard in the lead up to one of the goals it was like a very short period of time between goal and goal and goal and goal in the opening minutes that this is a thing that they had rehearsed they had watched footage of uh, this morning were, were some of these like quick passes these quick transitions Reggie Cannon playing and Jordan Morris Jordan Morris looking for the ball in the middle yeah. are all things that we've seen them like essentially practice, work through and uh, attempt to execute and in this game they did so I think Yeah, maybe against a stronger opponent it's harder. Maybe they track Jordan Morris a little bit better. Maybe there's a little bit more pressure on Jackson Ewell or Reggie Cannon when they're playing the balls. But there wasn't tonight, and so these players uh, made of it what they could, which was seven goals. And
0: I would argue that players made it happen. Yeah. In terms of, if you watch, uh, I think on both of the first two goals, definitely on the second one, Mm -hmm. Jordan Morris both times tricks the fullback. Right, yes. he, he starts making a run in one direction yep. and the fullback starts to go with him and then Morris changes direction and runs in behind at pace so that the defender's in the wrong position and can't catch him up. Reggie Cannon knows what Jordan Morris is doing. So when you've got like an element of surprise on the fullback, the pace of Morris in behind and Reggie Cannon knowing what was coming yep. when the fullback didn't, that's that's magnificent teamwork that's a, a team that's all on the same page and again that's going to be harder against a better team but at least you can see the elements of it there yeah. right and then definitely for both goals when Morris gets in and squares it there's Weston McKenney making the late arriving run yeah. right if you uh, we obviously could see the whole field on TV they did the tactical cam view for both goals you see McKenney start really deep like mm-hmm. almost level with Jackson Yule and then Sprints to be arriving at that back post so that he's there to be on the end of the cross, right? Yes.
1: And these are. It's all synchronized. It is. But these are all synchronizations that I think we will continue to see from the US, regardless of the opponent. I mean, maybe not if they're going up against like Brazil or Germany, but generally speaking, we'll see some of these. That's the dream, right? For it to work against Thiago Silva. True. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, and then you know you've made it. But I would also say that I think we also saw things in this game that were designed for Cuba, an inferior opponent. Because at one point, we saw Reggie Cannon early in the game. We were commenting on how Reggie Cannon gets oh, like forward really early, and then it was sort of like, okay, so maybe they're going to that back three, and like, and it's uh, Lovett's sliding in, and that's yeah. the third. And, and then it was like, for
0: a while, right? They were well, three center backs with the Lovett staying. The left centre
1: Sometimes, but then we also saw Lovett's go forward in yeah. moments, and to me, I like that, the flexibility. Yeah, but to me, that signified that, like, look, we're playing get a weaker opponent. They're going to try to hit us on the break via direct long balls. We back Tim Reem and Matt Meow. has going to win those and deal with them capably. So, no, we'll commit numbers four. And I think yeah. that's another reason why the United States had so much time and space, is because they had so many bodies committed into that attacking third.
0: And I find that slightly encouraging in that it's not too rigid, yeah. right? It's not like, love it, stay back as left center back even when there's no threat from Cuba. Exactly. Like, you may as well go join the attack. Yeah. Right? You may as well add extra numbers to the attack. Yes. We said in our preview, Cuba, not great at the
1: counter-attacking. No, and really even less effective here because it's almost as though they... I'm not trying to say, like, they actually listen to us, but it was, like, one thing we talked about was, like, they go direct, and that's not always as successful direct long. Cuba, and then yeah. yeah, and then when they try to play, like, direct counter-attack vertically... With some passes, they tend to, like, give the ball away fairly easily. And it felt like in this game, they were just like, don't even try that. Don't get caught in possession. Just go long every single time. But it was never with a... Like, you know how, like, Jamie Vardy for Leicester will, like, start on the touchline and then make that sort of, like, a, yeah, like, yeah. like lateral run across to cause problems? There was ne- never any of that. It was just, like, hoof it long for the yeah. other, well, for no, one there's attacker. There's no Cuban Jamie Vardy. Exactly. And <laughs> so, it really, then it came down to aerial battles and Tim Ream and Matt Miazga were more than capable, but, again, oh, those... Matt Miazga
0: like, loomed large oh. over both Cuban forwards.
1: Like, literally and figuratively, at one point, with, like, the complete lean-over to win a header yeah. over a guy who was trying to back into him. But <laughs> all of those, to me, are signs that the United States sort of took the things that they've been working on that they really wanted to implement and used them but then also changed a few things to really deal with what their opponent was throwing at them and I think they executed both of those things perfectly and first
0: keeping track we just passed exit 143 <laughs> mile marker 143.4 there
1: we go there we go <laughs>
0: alright John Adams not that one mm-hmm. um, did Sargent do the things GGG is asking of him off the ball and will he feature against
1: Canada Daryl, you want to take that one, since you asked Greg Berhalter that very I same question? Do. I
0: do. In the press conference, I asked Berhalter, could you please describe some of the specific uh, positioning things that you yep. want from a striker in your system, and how did Josh Sargent do it that tonight? How quickly is he learning those things? And Berhalter did that thing where he kind of sounded like he answered the question, but sort of dodged it, because he, he didn't want to reveal any of the specific yep. positioning things. And then he started talking about how with Just Sargent it's more about his movement in the box right um, which you can also interpret as like that he sees to sees that as Sergeant's strength mm-hmm. like the fox in the box type element Right? Which we've seen plenty for a Bremen.
1: Saw a little bit tonight with Josh Sargent's score. Yeah, we didn't see as much of it though, and and that's where I don't know if what Berhalter was trying to say was like that's what we want to see him do, but it's not what we were trying to do tonight, or yeah. that's where we think his strengths are. Because there were moments, uh, I would say, like at the end of the first half, and then even into the second half, knowing that Josh Sargent scores, there were still moments when you and I were sort of having difficulty figuring out. What was he trying to do? Because it was a lot of splitting the difference between the two center backs, or dropping in a little bit. But it wasn't a lot of yeah. But it wasn't a lot of like sprinting, like laterally to the touchline to open up space or to be on the end of like a long ball over the top. And I don't think that was what was asked of him. Don't get me wrong; I'm not saying like he was told run around that he just didn't do it. But how sort of stationary is the wrong word? Because it's not like he was just standing there waiting for the ball. Central is the word. It's almost like he ploughed
0: a furrow from. Uh, the middle of the field like next to the centre-backs yeah. to the middle of the field just next to Cuba's defensive mm-hmm. midfielders. And I actually think that is an instruction because what you would see a lot of is Sargent would come a little deeper and then say Jordan Morris and Weston McKenney or Christian Pulisic would then be running in behind. Yeah. And I think part of the synchronisation that they're going for is sergeant confuses the centre backs or drags someone out and another player runs in behind him. Okay.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That and I makes think sense.
0: It's almost like we talked about this a little bit while we were watching, mm. right? It's almost like it's almost like a false nine, some of it. And it's almost like as a striker you're you're sacrificial almost. Yeah. You're making a sacrifice to create the space. For someone else to run in behind.
1: Yeah, and, and I would say with him creating the space, like a couple of things I noticed where if say Tim Ream has the ball uh, for the United States in there in their half in the U.S.'s half, we would sometimes see Jackson Ewell. Drop in a little bit because the Cuban, like the front two and their 4 4 2 defensively, left space for Jackson Ewell to move in and be available for that central pass. Yeah. And what I what I saw a few different times was when Jackson Ewell would drop in, Jeff Sargent would move like that corresponding distance. And so yes. I think he was focused so that's on. That's an instruction for yeah, sure, right? If exactly. you see it
0: repeated and repeated, then for
1: sure. Yeah, because he's not trying to just like stretch them and hope for a long ball over the top, especially with Cuba's mid block. I don't think that was going to be as successful. But yeah. dropping in and get, staying closer to the ball and staying closer to possible options not only helps with you being on the ball and being aware of what's going on but also against Cuba on multiple occasions Sergeant would drop in, would get the ball and would try to play quickly laterally to open up play or would just like like drop back in and that would pull a center back out and that left space for Jordan Morris so it seemed like he was doing a very good job of pulling people around to, to create opportunities for his teammates
0: and maybe the best example is uh, the Jordan Morris goal yeah. where I think Yule plays it into Sergeant. Um, who then like flicks it on to McKennie, yeah. who plays in Jordan Morris there we go right mm-hmm. so but to answer John's question because Greg Berhalter wouldn't answer the question when I asked him yeah. um, do you, do we think Sargent did enough of the off the ball things that Berhalter asked him to do
1: I mean I, w- I would assume so because he plays the whole game now that might be because uh, Berhalter's already going to play Zardes but it is worth noting Sar- Sargent t- took a, a knock in the first half yeah. played through it played the entire second half and I would assume that means that he did at least enough of what Berhalter asked of him to warrant continued consideration and selection. That said, there were moments in which... I don't know if is going to care about this, but for me... I definitely had some spots where I thought, like, if that were Zardes, we would be livid, or at least yeah. a lot of soccer Twitter would be livid. There's the one where Sargent. I think to his credit, I think he wins the ball to create a breakaway attempt for himself, yes. and he right sky- towards the end, right? Yeah, he yeah. skies that shot into the uh, the supporters section uh, behind the goal. And, yeah, if that's Jesse Zardes who does that hard work to win that ball back, drives at the goalkeeper, and then shoots it over, that feels like a very oh, we'll familiar saying, pattern.
0: would be classic Jesse. Yep. Susanna Collins would be saying.
1: Yeah. and so <laughs> Exactly. So I think, for me at least, I, I won't speak for Greg Berhalter because, you know, we're not that close. We're yeah. kind of close. We're not that close. But I would say that I saw moments from Josh Sargent that made me very excited, but I also saw moments that reminded me he is very young yeah. and still has a long way to go, and I think we're seeing... Aspects of why he isn't an automatic starter yet for the US.
0: And I saw him get bodied off the ball yep. more than once, right? Like he would win a free kick, but because Cuba had some like big centre backs, yep. and there were times when he would receive the ball back to goal and just get knocked over, and it yep. wasn't a free kick; he just lost the ball. So, in terms of Willie feature against Canada, I don't have an answer to that. I, I think it w- it'll be fascinating yep. to see what Greg Bell thinks is his, the best hand that he could It would have been Josie Altidore, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely would have been Josie Altidore if it fit. And now we'll see, is it Zardes or is it Sargent? Yep. We hope it's Sargent, because we might as well just continue just Sargent's learning curve, yeah. right? But it's not going to be a massive surprise if it's Jazzy, is
1: it? Uh, it will not, and then especially because of the knock that Sargent picked up, Berhalter talked about that, talked about the injury to Paul Ariola who came on and then we thought was maybe going to play two minutes and have to be subbed out. Yeah, yeah. He apparently has stud marks... Near both knees, so yes. that tells you about some of the tackling from Cuba. But I think maybe that injury—I think it, maybe it was—I forget who it was who pointed the, or like threw out this idea that like Berhalter might be a little bit pleased that, that Sergeant picked up the, that knock, so it gives him the opportunity oh, to start Zardes without. That is having some to cynical, yeah. thinking. Cynical, <laughs> cynical thinking.
0: Cynical, cynical. Thank you. All right, Justin King. <laughs> Justin King asks. What patterns of play did we see repeated in this match? Yeah. What aspects of the emerging style of play seem to be working versus evolving versus possibly discarding? Sure. I
1: mean, we uh, already talked
0: about one, right, with yeah. Morris going down the right and yeah. Kenny arriving left, mm-hmm.
1: and then and then the Reggie Cannon like getting forward, not aggressively, not bombing forward, but definitely moving forward a little bit sneakily at times, staying yeah. wide and, and creating a lot of width there. Yeah, yeah it's Cannon on
0: one touch line. Yeah. Pulisic on the other touchline and then Jordan Morris can sort of drift fielding, yep. like get in behind
1: yeah so I mean that's definitely one another one that I, I felt like I saw I don't know if this counts as a pattern of play but the movement and availability of Jackson Ewell was something that stood out to me that Yes. he seemed to have been tasked with you know play laterally if you want to drop it back if you need to but Definitely seem to have been charged with. Again, we're playing Cuba. They're going to be a bit more defensive. They're not going to be aesthetically strong. So go at them and cause problems. And it did seem like Jackson Ewell was more inclined to turn with the ball and go at Cuban players, or turn and try to play it at least like diagonally forward, like like just sort of uh, like let the ball. Like roll through his legs as an example, turn and like dribble at the Cuban defense like five yards, and then play the ball. I as opposed it, to like as opposed to put your foot
0: in it and look around.
1: Yeah, or like taking a touch, turning, taking another touch, turning, then facing the Cuban goal. Yeah, now taking a touch forward, then put your foot. So on it's it like you look- made
0: a fast decision yes. and went straight forward. Yeah. yeah,
1: and I think that we both noticed that that he sort of has that like constant little touches and little like little steps while he's on the ball. It's not big steps, it's not big strides, it's not putting his foot on top. He seems to be constantly adjusting his his position, his body shape, and where he is in relation to the ball to be able to play the ball at any given moment and ideally play that ball forward at the same time.
0: And then another pattern we definitely saw was Jackson Yule. Hitting those diagonals. Yeah. Right? We talked in the preview about how Cuba would like shuffle and overload one side. Yes. Would leave one of the wings open. You'll constantly found like a big switch mm. or even sometimes just a chipped ball over the top. Yep. And it was almost always uh, into space for someone to run onto. They yep. were very accurate and, but also very dangerous.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was. I think two goals come from it. it, Have you already said that? I already said that. Pretty sure two goals come from, like, really nice diagonal balls from Jackson Ewell. It's worth noting we saw a couple different players trying to hit those. Reggie Cannon had a really nice one in the second half that almost came off. Matt Miazga, Tim Ream both had some of those as well. Uh So it definitely seemed like the United States had prioritized if they're going long, they're going long diagonally, and it also seemed like that was – with an eye towards getting Jordan Morris, who was making some very smart runs in behind. I'd say it's offside five or six times, I would say, in the first half. Maybe that's high, but that seemed about right. But also Cuba's offside line was
0: not... Raggedy.
1: uh, Not reliable, right? So it's definitely
0: worth trying to push it all the time. It would often be someone who was breaking Yeah, Yeah. and then
1: then I think this counts as a pattern of play in that I didn't see it happen a lot, but I would see if one of the centre-backs, and occasionally Jackson Ewell, would have the ball centrally and would kind of stride forward a little bit with it, Josh Sergeant would sort of drop in. It wasn't an aggressive, like, check-away, check-two, but it would be sort of, like, slowly moving towards the ball, like, w- like kind of gesturing to his feet. But it never felt like he was actually saying, play me the ball. It was almost a, like... Like a decoy? It was really, like, about as telegraphed to me, like, I am a decoy. Yeah. <laughs> you can play me the ball. But then he would instantly spin off as soon as that ball was played diagonally. Yeah. And I think that that was maybe another element of, like, show to pull a centre back out and see if there's any space created behind and if not then you can peel off once that ball goes wide yeah
0: because it's also probably as well as we talked about being a sacrifice Yeah. maybe because then Jordan Morris would make the run in behind Mm -hmm. but it could also be about Josh Sargent being able to make a late arriving run right like you go deep so that you can spring back and get yourself back in the box like after the ball's gone wide to Morris or Cannon or someone like that that checks out yeah that does check out (laughs) Um, okay Uh, Mark Mickelson asks what would a loss on Tuesday mean? That we lost? It would mean that we lost. It <laughs> would mean that any positive vibes from the Cuba game would be forgotten. And then it would also mean that uh, we would definitely need to beat Canada yeah. in the uh, in the home game in Orlando. And we'd need to run up the score on Cuba again to get the, <laughs> to get the goal difference.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely... But why be...
0: are we talking about it? Well, it's, it's not going to happen.
1: What do you mean? I'm just hoping it's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's an element of like being prepared and being ready for a possible result. But at the same time It hasn't happened It's better to Just sort of Get your head in the right Mindset for that game Uh For their part The players Kind of uniformly said We have not really Thought about Canada We have been solely Focused on Cuba yeah. That said That does feel like A thing they have to say Yeah Because otherwise If you lose Then it's oh, you Overprepared Or you underprepared Or what have you Um But I think if we lose to Canada, it means that Canada have improved and gotten much stronger. And I think that is the case. And then it means, yeah, the United States maybe took the foot off the gas a little bit, maybe weren't as sharp. We didn't see as many of the patterns of play as we saw against Cuba. But that's all hypothetical. If that happens, then it could be disastrous. If we lose 4-0 to Canada, then it means that things have gone horribly wrong. But it also mean that they bunkered and sat in and hit the United States on the break, and then the U.S. tried to find their way through but was unsuccessful, and they lost 1-0. You could have any number of things, and it doesn't necessarily mean the sky is falling, but it also doesn't necessarily not mean that the sky is falling. <laughs> all right. Exit 138.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, We've got a great question coming up about Weston Uh McKenney and the position he played tonight. But first, first. today's show is sponsored by Manscaped. You got very excited about it. Because I've just realized we're doing it blind, we're doing it without the copy. That is true. We've done the Manscaped ad read several times. We have. I think we can pull it off.
1: All right, so for people who are new who've just found us and they're wondering what is this Manscaped thing as I try to avoid getting hit by a truck hauling what appears to be a horse, (laughs) Daryl, what is Manscaped? It's the correct tools for your family jewels.
0: (laughs) If you want to trim down there Mm -hmm. below the belt and keep things tidy... Manscaped.com is the website you need to visit, and you need to get yourself the Lawnmower 2.0. Twice as good as the Lawnmower 1.0.
1: Yes, twice as good, and that means it's double the gentlemanly uh like trimming, and I say yeah. gentlemanly to work in the fact that the person behind me who was hauling the horse is driving with their brights on, which is not gentlemanly, Daryl. Not gentlemanly at manscaped, all. They are not a manscaped customer. No, they are not. But a manscaped customer or is right gentlemanly lights. because
0: they're keeping things, you know, trimmed
1: up down yes. there. You Things get, let things get out of control. And,
0: cringe if you need to, uh-huh. uh, but Manscaped, with the Lomo 2.0, make sure that there are no nicks, yep. no cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, it has technology that prevents you from doing any damage down there. So you can do it safely, safely, and
1: securely yep. which isn't the case with other trimmers no it's not and we're going to prove it right now I am driving so I can't do it but Daryl <laughs> you're going to put it to the test as we drive in the darkness right?
0: I mean I could lie and pretend that I just also, did also please it. don't do <laughs> that
1: because that hair will get everywhere
0: <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to get mm-hmm. 20% off plus free shipping go to manscaped.com and use the discount code
1: TSS that is correct my friend I'm pretty
0: confident that is correct (laughs) manscaped.com 20% off plus free shipping when you use the discount code TSS thank you to Manscaped for sponsoring this episode of the Total Soccer Show Uh,
1: I concur you concur All right.
0: Um, up next from Half Spaces Mm -hmm. which I believe is Ben Harold um, it's it's that McKinney question I talked about Ben says, or Half Spaces says, McKenney looks like he might be the new left-sided 8-10. Mm-hmm. Who is the number one option for the spot on the right side, if that's the case? Could it be Morales, Pomichal, or Adams? Before you answer that, can we talk a little about McKinney being the yeah. left-sided 8-10? Because people might not know what we're talking about.
1: Right. I mean, so what we've seen from the United States in their usual shape has been... Like, how would you classify it? Would you say four three three? 3 Would you go... Yeah, you little...
0: can put it on paper as a four three three. 3 Yeah, okay. With like, there's a defensive midfielder who is often Michael Bradley will trap, yep. but was Jackson Yule tonight. Yep. And then you have, like, a left-sided attacking midfielder, which is usually Christian Pulisic, yep. who is farther forward, yeah. and then you have a right-sided uh, central midfielder yeah. who sort of sometimes sits alongside the defensive midfielder and then sometimes gets forward, but isn't quite as attacking as the left-sided number
1: 10. Right. And what we've seen, as you said, is uh, like what has been sort of the norm when U.S. guys had full strength is Christian Pulisic playing as that number 10, the kind of left-sided central midfielder, uh, and then Weston McKenney playing as the number 8, looks slightly more to the right. Yeah. Uh, tonight, with Christian Pulisic lining up on the far left wing, that allowed... Uh, Weston McKinney To start as that Like kind of Left central midfielder And I thought It looked very very good It I was thought incredible it, I thought of all Of the players tonight Weston McKinney Not just because Of the hat trick But because of How often he was able To find space And then what he was able To do with that Yeah he, the The kind of varied approach to this game from him that sometimes it was turn and dribble at the Cuban defenders, sometimes it was lay it off simply, sometimes it was just a very clever little disguised flick, sometimes there was a move in there. It, seemed it was like, a late run, a yeah. Frank
0: Lampardish late run. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and so I just, I, it seemed like he... Did a very nice job of finding space, but never being too predictable and never being like, oh, these guys suck, so I can do whatever yeah. I want. He sort of continued to do a lot of varied things that never let Cuba get comfortable.
0: Including that, I don't know if it goes down as an assist because it goes down as an own goal.
1: Yeah, I uh, remember the Jordan
0: Morris oh, strike, yeah. saved by the keeper, then it goes yep. in, so it mm-hmm. goes down as an own goal for, I believe, Morales. But there's that great, it's a its a ball into Weston McKinney, yep. and he just checks his shoulder and then uses... Like it's like a reverse flick in behind him
1: uh, For Morris to run onto yeah, it's, and he, To me
0: it's the, it's the most exciting moment of the game The the most highlight uh, showboaty kind of moment of the game
1: Yeah, I mentioned this on Twitter uh, Iva Skalarsev asked uh, uh, Weston McKinney about that About the kind of why he and Morris were able to look So kind of connected Why they seem to be so in sync McKinney paused for a half second And then said, uh, Fortnite, probably And, <laughs> then, and then instead of like Providing more serious answers said, like, no, we play a lot of Fortnite in our downtime. And I think, like, basically they've created a pretty good bond. I'm going to assume they've also played together a lot in practice. But you could see that sort of like, I'm guessing you're going to be making that run in behind again. So I would just go for this little redirected flick. And that is exactly what happened. And that is exactly what was happening for Jordan Morris. So and that relationship was solid. And again, I know it's
0: only Cuba. Yeah. Uh, but this is progress because do you remember the, the days early on? I think it was Jordan Morris was on the right wing and McKenney was right center mid. Yep. And they were confused about when mm-hmm. they were supposed to be. Yeah, doing we like saw them having to like talk. Like, no, you switch. go, I go. It was
1: a. And then man they, of the they both went over and
0: talked to Bearhelter about like what they were supposed to yeah, do. That's right. So you see moments of confusion like that earlier in the year. And then you see tonight where it's like, I want to say no look pass because he did check his shoulder, yeah. but like almost telepathic passes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was, it was enjoyable. So now we go to the original question, which was... Yeah, so if
0: McKenney And I think there's an argument for playing McKinney yeah, in that left-sided number 10 role, especially if you're going to have Christian Pulisic on the wide left, yep. not the wife left. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> then that opens up a spot at right centre-mid. do a spell mid. check. It opens up a spot at right centre-mid. Um, Christian Roldan filled it yep. tonight. Um, I, I think Tyler Adams, that might be a shout to,
1: to yep. put him there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously we won't know that until we see Tyler Adams in camp. Uh, we also asked uh, Berhalter about the decision to play Pulisic wide, because I think that is worth mentioning here. And the gist I got from that one, Darryl, you correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't have my notes in front of me, nor have I listened back to the audio, was essentially that like we think Christian can do a lot of different things, and we're not sure what he does best for this team yet. Yeah, that's so pretty we're much still, So we're still <clears throat> trying to figure things out. So I only mentioned that just to say that like there's also a decent chance that against Canada, if they go with a roughly similar lineup, we still end up seeing... Uh, Weston McKinney move back to that number eight spot. Pulisic move central. So that is that, that is a decent possibility. It depends
0: how big those marks are on everyone's neck.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. But if we don't see that, if we, I mean, and it's worth it's worth noting here you know, that McKinney and Jordan Morris came out at halftime. So it stands to reason that we will see both of them for the Canada yes. game. Again, we don't know exactly where. If it's not going to be Weston McKinney, um, who I thought was. best performer on the evening Uh, or if it is going to be him at that left central midfield spot then in terms of the right spot yeah it's probably Tyler Adams Christian Roldan didn't look like he looked fine to me tonight I didn't see anything particularly spectacular I didn't see anything particularly horrific
0: he mostly just moved the ball nicely there's a lot of um, he didn't make runs into the box he kind of held position which might be part of the role Yeah, right. he held position didn't get in the box and would often just receive it and play it wide to Richie Cannon.
1: Yeah, you know? so he, so I mean, so he did his job; he did fine. Um, in terms of other names we might be able to see aside from Tyler Adams, I think that's a solid shout. Uh, would be maybe Dwayne Octavius Holmes. I think Dwayne yeah. Holmes could do that number eight job. The problem pretty well. is on
0: the teleconference after the roster announcement. Yeah. I think didn't it wasn't it made clear? I he sees, he sees right? him as the number
1: ten. Sees him as a
0: number ten. Yeah. Right? So just we just piled up with players. Yeah. For that number ten well, one out There's Pulisic. The Jet plays there. Now McKenny can play there. <laughs> Dwayne Holmes is like. Maybe be 4th, 5th, 6th choice yeah.
1: there so maybe that's where he just needs to remind Greg Berhalto that he's capable of wearing the number 8 yes uh, and then Alfredo Morales he should ask Darby
0: if he can change his number yeah
1: just do that that'll work <laughs> out and then Alfredo Morales uh, <coughs> I think we saw him we weren't sure where he would be utilized we're not sure if he'd be utilized again he is still recovering from injury but he also seems like he can kind of do that box to box charging around putting out problems but also seems yeah. more than capable with the ball at his feet
0: Paxton Pomica has a good shot yeah, but I is. think maybe not in the short term that might no. be next year or the year yep. after type thing because again Pomichael is going to be U23s yeah. he wasn't called up for the senior national team this time it was obviously the call up in September was kind of just a, hey come and get a taste of
1: the action yeah election. exactly
0: yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah. So, similar to like Brendan Aronson and Miles Robinson before him yes um, Okay. Or I guess after him in Brendan Aronson's case uh,
0: Chris McGuffin asks do you think Weston McKennie could end up being a secret weapon for the US moving forward in regards to goal scoring he always seems to be in the right place at the right
1: time yeah, I'm not even sure he's a secret weapon. I think he's just a straight-up weapon because, yeah. I mean, he talked about that like he has always felt like his ability to arrive late and know where to be is a critical asset to his game. Berhalter's talked about that as well. And not only do we see that when he scored the goals, but even in moments of like uh, like corner kicks when they would spill loose, two different times in two different like locations, the ball fell to Weston McKinney, and he had adjusted a little bit to make that happen. And I think he's very very good at reading a developing play and knowing how to respond to it without just like running towards the ball or without just crashing the near post yeah. he seems to think okay he seems to be very capable of evaluating uh, a fluid attacking maneuver and seeing like okay that center back's drifting there that left back's going there i can slide in right there and find that space and i think with that in mind i see him as just a legitimate attacking option albeit for me like more delayed, like deeper position.
0: Yes, alright. Mr. Stuff and Things, mm-hmm. with tonight's performance, even though it is Cuba, does Bear dare take out Yule and Sargent out of the lineup? Take Yule and Sargent out of the lineup. I'm gonna say it's not the sort of thing Bear would be uh, worried about. No. Like if he wanted to take them out of the lineup, He's not going to be worried that they had a good game against Cuba. No, I mean, and I'm pretty confident Jackson Ewell will be replaced yeah. by Michael Bradley yes. when we play Canada.
1: I would agree with that, and I think I do think we'll see Zardes over Sargent, maybe because of the injury, maybe because that was always kind of the plan. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised about it either. And honestly, no, I'd be disappointed because I wouldn't mind seeing now that we've kind of seen what Sargent. Is capable of and good at and needs to work on. I wouldn't mind contrasting that one more time with Josie Zardes Again, I would much rather see Josie Altador, yeah. and I would much rather contrast Josh Sargent with Josie Altador. But the roster being what it is, I think we probably end up seeing uh, Jesse Zardes in that Canada game.
0: And I yeah. think the plan was probably always Yule and Sargent were going to start the Cuba game, okay. and then Bradley and Altador were going to start the Canada game. Yes, right. And the Altador injury has thrown it all up in the air. And that's why now there's the question
1: of Sergeant Rosadas. Exactly. Yes. I would say I think we do have a question about this. I I have skim- them or them. Skimmed them very, very briefly. I do think if you're looking for a reason for optimism about the US's midfield and like what that midfield might look like going forward, if it were Will Trapp still as like the deputy to Michael Bradley, I think Will Trapp plays this game. That he wasn't even on the match day squad says to me at least maybe this is wishful thinking maybe this is hopeful thinking that right now Bradley is that number six and if we're looking for someone to come in and play if Bradley can't go or is injured or what have you I think right now it is Jackson Ewell I think he has moved up the depth chart I'm
0: going to skip forward and Binho asks how happy is Taylor knowing Ewell just passed Trap in the central defensive midfielder Peckinoy
1: so Alright, here, here's my honest answer. I am excited. I don't know Jackson Ewell well enough, is the thing. I do not watch enough San Jose. I'll be the first to admit that. And therefore, I would not say that, like, he's a player that I've watched a bunch of footage of and confidently can say, yes, he can do this all the time. He's very good at this. This is... He can do this, he can do that, he can do this. He should always be playing. He should always be second choice. But I think or maybe seeing him against
0: Uruguay and Cuba, yeah. Yeah. Um, both the nations of Alexis Guerrero's yes. ethnicities. In your face, Alexis. No, no coincidence. <laughs> um, I think you can get a good feel for yeah. his game from those two matches. Yes,
1: and, and I think I've enjoyed pretty much everything I saw from him. Maybe there's a few errant passes here and there. Maybe there's a few well, That's because his passes decisions. are brave. Yeah, exactly. That's what I
0: like about him. He, take, he takes risks. He yeah. Yeah. who dares. He who dares, <laughs> Jackson Ewell. <laughs> Um, anything else to say on so that? the answer
1: is very heavy, I guess, because I, I thought he again just the, the little steps, the little adjustments, the, the playing the ball forward, but playing the ball diagonally and hitting those pretty much perfectly every single time, and just sort of roaming around being an option for the center backs, doing his defensive job. I thought it was a pretty comprehensive performance. Again, for the fortieth time in this episode, albeit against Cuba. <laughs> um,
0: Shane asks, is it fair to judge the players that came on in the second half? despite the U.S. being in cruise control at that point. So, players who come in the second half, Ariola and Boyd at half-time, both played on the wing. Um, And who came on later?
1: Uh, Sebastian Legette.
0: Sebastian Legette came on for Christian Pulisic in about the 66th minute. Yeah. So, is it fair to judge them uh, despite the U.S. being in cruise control? Um... Why don't you to that one?
1: Because I'm, I would like to hear what you have to I say I think, first. yes, I think
0: part of the U.S. looking like they're in cruise control yeah. is because of the downgrade in player.
1: Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I think, I think I agree with that one.
0: I think, can you read the question one more time? Is it fair to judge the players that came on in the second half despite the U.S. being in cruise control at that point?
1: Maybe I'm just tired because I think I'm like misreading and overanalyzing that question. I mean, yes, they're players that came onto the field. It doesn't really matter what the scoreline was. You're expected to have an impact. You're expected to be able to do the role that the person before you was capable of doing or was doing. Yeah. And I and I don't think that those three substitutions really covered themselves in glory very much. Paul Arriola yeah. got a couple of whacks here and there. Uh, he had a couple of nice little like darting runs that we've come to expect from him, but nothing too lights out. Tyler Boyd. Left me with still more questions than yeah. I have answers. Uh, his crossing was not; uh, it was about what we thought it would be, which is to say, not as good. He was okay in some one of the in some of the one on ones, but it seemed like the ball popped up on a couple of his first touches. So I don't think he came into that game maybe quite as sharp as I would have liked to see. I think and think also he he looks bad in
0: comparison to the way Jordan Morris. Um, created space for himself to run into yeah it's probably like 30 minutes ago at this point so I'm mentioning sure. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah
1: mile marker 110
0: <laughs> the thing where so yeah, it's like 40 miles ago <laughs> at this point the thing where Morris would like
1: fake a running it in would one be direction. 105 if you would go faster guy in the left lane sorry go ahead <laughs> yeah PJR
0: 3313 yeah um, the way that Morris would like make a run in one direction and then cut in the other direction yeah. to run in behind so he would trick the fullback and give himself like a couple yards head start um uh, we did not see Tyler Boyd create no. that space for himself in the same way no we right? did not so that's to me that's the massive um, what's the word the the big negative in terms of the Tyler Boyd versus Jordan Morris comparison is that Boyd doesn't seem able to do that because then there's no ball that Reggie Cannon can play in behind yeah. for him to run onto if you're not creating the space for yourself to run into
1: it, it actually, with that in mind, I would say really the only like negatives I think I have coming out of this game are those the performances of the three substitutes because Ariola is a person that we come have come to expect to be scrappy but be technical but be threatening. And I don't see we think we saw as much of that from him. Tyler Boyd, you've already mentioned. And then Legette is a player that I really enjoy seeing. I think he, did, he has looked good as that number 10, that left-sided number 10. Tonight, he just looked not up for it. I don't know if that's because... like. The energy had died by the time he came on. Yeah, um, I think that is it. Yeah, I may- think he has the best excuse out of the three of them because the first two came on at half time, yeah.
0: and, and uh, legit comes on later when the thing had already started to die down.
1: Yeah, that could be. But even then, he still had shooting opportunities from the top of the box that he put wide or didn't take cleanly. He had some misplaced passes. He had some heavy touches. I think that's probably one of the worst performances, if not the worst performance I've seen from Sebastian Legette in a U.S. national team jersey. Yeah. I would add that a big part of that is because he routinely looks very good in a U.S. jersey, so when he has a bad performance, it stands out that much more. I think that's
0: fair. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, USMNT, mm-hmm. with the, the final T, like T-E-A, like silver T. Oh, Could we get an update on Pulisic's wife?
1: <laughs> so, yeah, if people aren't on Twitter, uh, I was very excited to uh, tweet out that Pulisic was starting uh, wide left, that West McKinney was left center, and then that Josh Sargent was up top. Uh, I am blaming my autocorrect, because when I went to correct the tweet, it still tried to correct it to wife and not wide, but it, but my initial tweet was, Pulisic wi- wife left. Which, Pulisic's wife left. Pulisic, it was an apost- apostrophe S, yes, thankfully. It was just Pulisic wife left, I think. <laughs> um, but still, that led to a lot of some genuine concern of like I didn't even know he had a wife and now she's left him oh no and then a lot of other jokes at my expense which I can handle because they're deserved that's why you got to proofread
0: MVP of the jokes uh, Nipun
1: yes (laughs) (laughs) well done Nipun Jopra thanks Nipun
0: Was Uh W-O-S-S says MLS put out a poll about who should be the starting number six and McKenny won do you agree with the result not anymore I'm the same I was definitely I've been on the show uh, talking about how I would like to see McKenney tried at that number yeah. 6 role the number 6 can't make those later rival yeah. runs because you've got a responsibility to sort of stay back and hold the midfield I am now convinced that McKenney, Um, is much more effective as an attacking creative force
1: and yes and it's that attacking creativity like I don't want to for lack of a better way of putting it like shackle him that if you put him at number 6 he has to be more steady he has to sit deeper he can't get as involved but that isn't just meaning involved in the attack like we saw him Pulled out from a corner kick to have to have a word with the ref because he was scrapping with a Cuban defender yeah. from the very beginning. He was shoving. Well, he was being hooked around. in every corner. Yeah, he's been bad hooked on but every like, corner. But like, I want him to have that freedom to go charging at people, to knock people off the ball, to be able to pick up a yellow card, but also be able to drive and score a goal or arrive late. And I think if you're that number six, you can't do that because you have to be. Like it has to be guaranteed that you're gonna be there the whole game, you're not gonna pick up needless cards, you're not gonna cause problems, you're not gonna keep concede fouls. And I kind of like a little bit of like recklessness to Weston McKinney <laughs> in the US national team. I don't mean that in like a dangerous way, I just mean I want him to be able to license, kind of, license yeah, is a li- Yeah, license to roam and maybe kill. I'm fine. With <laughs> that.
0: Brian H. asks, does Pulisic's penalty placement show a lack of
1: confidence or an abundance of confidence? An abundance of confidence. Why so? Because I, I think, like, he he wanted the goal. I think that, that much is clear to me, and I think he wanted to establish that he, he can take it and do just fine with it. But just hitting it top of the goal as hard as he could, maybe they've watched some footage of it, maybe they have they knew the keeper would dive or he was, wasn't going to be that strong. But to me, it's foolishly just picking a spot and hitting it and, and backing himself to put it in, and that's what he did.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. What do you think? Um, I actually didn't see it. <laughs> this is the one goal I didn't see. <laughs> So I'm going to say yes Abundance of yeah, confidence Yeah Alright um, Nihal, Nihal Kata asks Who should be our designated Penalty taker going forward?
1: That's tough do, do you
0: have an answer for that one While I think about it? I'm going to say Christian Pulisic Yeah I think the only thing Having is- not seen his penalty tonight I'm going to say Pulisic
1: The only reason why like, It's not a penalty thing It's just that some of his set pieces Left me wanting I didn't yes. think his delivery on corners He's Was He's not a great good.
0: corner kick taker is he?
1: No, but then I I look at other people who are capable of taking set pieces for us or penalties for us, and I don't see anybody else who's really jumping off the page as an obvious candidate. So I think it is Christian Pulisic until somebody comes along and proves that they can do it better, more consistently. I have
0: momentarily uh,
1: <coughs> lost the page of questions. Uh-huh. It's the... fine. I can update by saying that we're now the Caroline County Tourist Information Center. Mile Marker 104. We're getting closer to Richmond, but we still got a ways to go, which means we still have time for many more questions. I'm assuming there's at least a couple. You want me to keep? Uh, uh, we've updated with 20 plus since I've opened this. As well. Let's keep it rolling. Uh, okay, so Binho, uh, we've already
0: had a question from him, but he's also asking: Is centre back Tim Ream spot to lose?
1: Yeah, probably. Actually, no, probably not. It's his spot, uh, provided that John Brooks isn't healthy. I think if John Brooks is healthy, it's probably still him ahead of Tim Ream. But I don't think Tim Ream put a foot wrong this evening, Mm -hmm. not not that I recall. I think, so maybe it's his, but I still think John Brooks would have been in the squad, probably would have started at least this game, or at least one of these two games. I have a slightly different take, which is
0: a starting spot is Tim Ream's to lose. Yes. But sometimes he's going to be left-centre back. Yeah. And sometimes he's going to replace Daniel Lovitz and be the left-back. Like I wouldn't even be surprised if against Canada, um, the centre-backs are Miazga and Aaron Long comes back in, and Tim Ream goes over to left-back. Yep, that makes sense to me. So the starting spot is Tim Ream to lose, and I'm in favour of it. I think he has performed admirably, calmly... Um, every time he's uh, worn a US national team jersey over the, the last few games.
1: I was about to get very excited about the reem partnership and that is one where I'm going to put that one on hold, on pause yeah. and say it was Cuba, let's see yeah. how they do against stronger opponents before I get too excited. And there's them. also
0: a slight lack of pace in that partnership and yeah. that's why I think you'll see Aaron Long uh, come in against Canada.
1: Um, speaking of Aaron Long, you know I, I do know what you're saying. I want to throw this out. Uh, I don't know why, I thought Aaron Long was like not necessarily short, but, like, not the tall. He's taller than, like, some of the goalkeepers on the U.S. roster. I He's mean, a- how do you think the family got the name? He's a big, big fella. What, long instead of tall? Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, I'm not saying they're not called uh, the short family. All right. Yeah. All right. Move it along. Move it
0: along. Move it along. Right, actually, more on centre-backs. How did Miazga... Uh, sorry. Uh, Garrett Craig. Garrett Craig yeah. asks, how did Miazga rate in your eyes? Reem had at least a couple line-breaking passes that I liked. Don't remember much actively positive from Matt Miazga.
1: So, um, I will start with this one, and then I'll throw it to you because Daryl noticed some things that I think were pretty interesting. Yeah, I really only enjoyed what I saw from Matt Miazga. I thought he was primarily the one tasked with winning every single long ball when people were either taking goal kicks, when the keeper was kicking it long, or more often than not when they were trying to like. Like, the keeper would come out, catch across from the United States attack, and then try to launch it long to launch a counterattack. Matt Miazga seemed to be the one who covered the distance to win every header, to put a body on a defender. He had one where the defender was, like, really backing up into him to try to force him backwards. and attack, Mia- you mean? Yeah, yeah, excuse me. And Miazga reached around the Cuban attacker with his foot to win the ball. Yeah. So I felt like his presence there and his ability to win those balls was exceptional. But then Daryl, you pointed out that there were some moments that still made you think a little bit like ah, but maybe under pressure, yeah. less solid.
0: There were a few, especially clearances that he got to. He always yeah. got there, always, always got there, which mm-hmm. is the first job. Um, but then the clearance would be um, a little wayward. Yeah. Like, there was one that Brad Gazan had to go and chase to stop it going out for a corner kick. There were a couple where Miazga like got there but popped it straight up in the air. Mm-hmm. There was one that he got to and played directly to a Cuban player, and I think Tim Ream had to bail him out. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a little bit of like. Just sometimes he'll meet a and won't get like a good connection. With yeah, him.
1: yeah, yeah. And 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 this is one again. I'm gonna like withhold judgment because it's Cuba but in a different way this time because I think you've probably experienced this as a center back when you're playing for a team that's up like 6-0 on what is clearly an inferior opponent it can be really hard to stay locked in and dialed in Guzan talked about this he talked about talking to Miazga about this who then talked to the rest of the team about like hey we gotta step it up a little bit we're getting a little lackadaisical and I think if you're used to just, like, oh, a long ball over the top, I'll deal with it, then maybe every now and then you might think, like, oh, sure, I'll go for this pass. Why not? And then it might not come off.
0: All right, so next question from Andrew. I feel like we've already answered this, but we'll do the formality. Andrew asks, is Jordan Morris ahead of Tyler Boyd right now? Yes. <laughs> Very much so, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. The fact that Morris was taken off at time means...
1: Rest up for a little bit Because you're starting Against Canada I can't believe How positive I am On Jordan Morris right now Again not just because Of the performance Against Cuba But from everything We've seen from him lately Even in the Mexico game For Seattle as well Yeah For Seattle But even in the Mexico game he, He was like kind of One of the lone bright spots In terms of players who came on and tried to make something happen, and I think that's what he does. He tries stuff for the United States. He also seems to be a good chemistry guy, a good blue guy, and he seems to be very good at those runs in behind the defense, so much so that his teammates, uh, multiple teammates reference being able to kind of target that and bank on him making those runs. So, yes, I think uh, right now he is definitely... Head and shoulders above Tyler Boyd in terms of that starting spot. And Matt is head and shoulders above everybody. That is also true, especially, especially Diego Laino's. Especially I think you to
0: Another question from Binho, which uh-huh. I actually think is somewhat related to uh-huh. the Jordan Morris answer we just gave. Um, Binho says, Reggie Cannon's in such good form, where does Yedlin fit when healthy? And I would argue that Cannon's relationship with Jordan Morris means that Cannon has the starting spot right now and will start against Canada.
1: Yeah, uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. I would also not be surprised if DeAndre Yedlin starts because maybe Berhalter wants to get a look at him. We talked about this in the preview that he's only had him in from maybe one camp. Uh, Burhalter's only had Yedlin in for maybe one camp, yeah. I think. So maybe he wants to I give think he him
0: was the March franchise.
1: That could be. But maybe he wants to give him looks in a competitive match. I asked Cannon about if he had any concerns that there's now seemingly a thousand right-backs for him to compete yeah. against, and he basically said no. He went specifically to DeAndre Yedlin when talking about them and mentioned, I didn't know this, that essentially DeAndre Yedlin was the player that took Reggie Cannon under his wing, that made him feel comfortable with the national team, that kind of brought yeah. him into it, and so for him it was more like, you know, I'm competing against my friend, so you know, it's all good, and I'm, I'm excited for it, and it makes me play better. So, I don't know if he'll be the starter because I think Berhalter is still changing things out and figuring things out. And and I would also add from some of his comments, I think it's an important clarification that I don't think Burhalter thinks about things in terms of a depth chart. I don't think it's, here's my right back number one, here's my right back number two, and that's how it's going to be until it changes. I think it is really really dependent on what those players need to do in that moment which is again where I go to the system being so important and why I have hope that the system kind of clicks because then if it's oh we need a right, right back who's going to bomb forward every single time maybe that's Yedlin, oh we need a right back who can bomb forward, can also play long diagonals. so they're kind
0: of similar Cannon and Yedlin in terms of both pretty quick, both love to get forward.
1: I thought Cannon's distribution was was, was better than I remember DeAndre Yedlin's being, but okay. that may also be because I've not seen DeAndre Yedlin in a national team jersey and in a Newcastle jersey in to some while. extent in yeah. a while.
0: Um, all right, next question. Yeah. DGB DGB asks, did Roldan do anything at all? I didn't even realize he was out there as late as the second half. Did I simply miss something from him? We've kind of addressed this, and yes. his role was just to, like, Receive and then give it wide. Receive yeah. and then give it away.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think uh, he, he had a Berhalter game. He, he was in there because he was going to be able to do what Berhalter wanted him to do. I think he is one of the group. I think he's going to get opportunities going forward and will consistently get them. What he does with them will probably be something like we saw against Cuba, which is kind of fulfill his role. Nothing too flashy, but nothing too bad either. Next question. Kevin Chan. Kevin Chan
0: asks... Um, Berhalter has mentioned in a few interviews that he likes to layer on more advanced concepts each camp, to have each camp build on another. Mm -hmm. Does that mean we'll reach a tipping point where it'll be damn hard for a new guy to break in because someone like Zardes simply has had more camps and the new guy hasn't had all of those previous experiences. This goes to the... That uh, question
1: did not go where I, where I thought it was going to go. I thought I would have an easy answer. I did not. <laughs>
0: Do you remember us talking about how about how to keep your friends to the group? The group is progressing. Yeah. The group is doing this. And we were a little concerned about the same thing where if you're not part of the group, you haven't been taking in all this information and you're not part of the process and it'll be hard for you to break in. Yeah. I think it's like Dwayne Holmes is the victim of yeah, I I think so. I think Holmes and Roldan, it may be like, you know, Roldan's part of the group.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that one might be because there's a lot of midfield options, and so we're talking about you know the reserve number 8 like yeah. there like maybe it's less, less for us the reserve number 8 for to like the 4th choice number 10 yeah that could be <laughs> um, but I think when it comes to certain positions like striker I think that is where you may see a bit more experimentation you may see new players given opportunities and it we're does... seeing it with Sargent right? exactly yeah. yeah and I think there will be more to come because I think we... I think Greg Warhalter would probably amongst friends would probably admit that like Jesse's artist is not the caliber of striker that he's necessarily wanting for the team but it is the person who can do what's asked of him Who would he say that if he's really? sitting with Josh Wolf and a glass of wine? Probably not even, maybe his brother <laughs> that's, that's a Jay Burhalter about it uh, So I, like, I think that's one where and I, I say that just to say that so if you have another young if Sebastian Soto comes in and does a few things that Berhalter asks of him I think that's what it will be is sort of a like okay you've done what I've asked of you I'm going to call you in next time we'll see if you keep doing it and it will probably be slow progression aside from you know if uh, if Andrea Novakovic tears up Serie B and next season tears up Serie A and then suddenly is like a lights out player I mean, he could he, start, in.
0: he could start by scoring at least one goal for Frosinone. that would be good I was yeah. trying to think of
1: any uh, forward option that I could <laughs> think of
0: Matt Castle uh huh do you believe Jordan Morris' quote that he hasn't worked on his left foot?
1: Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, I asked that because I am not a Seattle fan. I don't go to Seattle games. I have not been around Jordan Morris, so I was curious. It sounds like if you're a Seattle fan, you were annoyed by that question from me because it's a thing he's, I guess, been working on all season, that he has improved, and that it's almost now a skill set that he is more than capable of utilizing. Um, so, yeah, I, I, think, I think he probably... Hasn't like been out there like just using his left foot, but I think the truth, as always, is somewhere in the middle. And I guess my guess would be that somebody somewhere has said to him, "Look, man, you gotta improve that left foot if you want to be able to excel at that next level." And to be honest, I think it's a big reason why he's been playing better. Yeah, that he can now play with his left foot. We like I want to emphasize this: we play against people who only use their right foot, and it is. So much easier to defend that player when you know they're always going to want to be on their right foot or their yeah. left foot, whichever foot is more dominant. You can defend. You can basically just. Force I mean, we both
0: them. know who you were talking
1: about. <laughs> you know, what you mean from our league? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, nah, I'm not sure we do. See what I did there? Uh, but, <laughs> but that that joke will get three people laughing. Um, <laughs> But, like, so it's really, really easy because you can just say, like, sure, go, like, I'm going to leave your entire weak side open and I'm only going to defend your strong side. And a lot of times, like, attackers will still try to get that dominant foot shot off. That Morris can now strike equally well with, or maybe not equally well, but very well with his left foot, can play deadly crosses in. I think he's definitely improved and I think that probably is at least a little bit of focused work and I think it makes him that much better of a player. So, where's this quote come from?
0: Where has Morris said.
1: Um, I, I haven't him. been. Oh, this is the yep. quote you got from
0: him. Yep. Okay, so you asked him, and he said what? No,
1: he said he said like to be honest, no, it's not something that I've like like worked on like particularly like or focused on that much. And then I asked him, so does that mean we'll still see some Travellas? And he said, oh, like oh for sure. <laughs> um,
0: Scangles asked, should Pulisic continue taking corner kicks for the US? Is there another player who would be better served taking our corners? That's tough Um, I I think because my answer is no because they're not very
1: good but then I don't know who the replacement answer is that's the thing Um, maybe Tyler Adams when he comes back We shall see. You think of Tyler Adams as a corner kick taker? Yeah, why not? I don't know. You have never seen Tyler Adams take a corner kick. No, but that doesn't mean I don't think he could be good at (laughs) it. I mean, I think he is equally capable of playing in good crosses and deadly through balls, so yeah, why not give him a go? But I think the the actual answer is just that Berhalter is probably going to stick with Pulisic because it's the player that seems the best candidate to take it, and you give them more... Repetition, you work on those set pieces a little bit more, you get some master set piece theater and some, some design corners, and maybe he starts to look a little bit sharper. But it's a flaw in the US game, right? If we don't Certainly. have dangerous corners. Yeah. As Alexia
0: says, set pieces, set pieces, set pieces.
1: Yeah, I mean, have we ever had, like, I know everybody would immediately scream Clinton Dempsey at me, but have we ever had an, a, an attacking option who, who we thought. One out of every three free kicks from 25 yards out, he's going to at least put on frame, if not score. Like, it's not a thing that the United States has ever been particularly good at. Yeah. And it would be really nice to have somebody who's just solid on set pieces. So I wouldn't mind sticking with Christian Pulisic if it means that more reputation builds, more experience builds, more solidity, I guess is the word I'll go with there. All right, uh, Jacob asks... marker
0: All right, people seem ready to fully dismiss this competition after this one result yeah how can you sell the competition as useful to a nation the competition being the CONCACAF nations could you sell it as experience playing on the road in CONCACAF meaningful games for fringe first team players or opportunities for smaller nations
1: I mean all of those things but uh, uh, one, one big one that I had not considered John Strong made this point on the broadcast very early on is that essentially by having these help with like coefficient rankings, but also in terms of putting, like, top teams into the next level of competition, it effectively removes that uh, the kind of play-in rounds of World Cup qualifying when the United States would be playing a team like Cuba anyway. Or oh, Cuba, I see. Or plays Bahamas or Barbados or whomever, who were probably going to beat pretty badly anyway. You sort of get those games out of the way by playing them here, and I think that that's good in terms of you still have those, those games, but they're Meaningful games where you can cap tie people, but it's less of a like. Okay, well, sorry, Cuba, your World Cup qualification campaign is done now. Yeah. Enjoy the next three years. Like it, it keeps smaller teams' hopes alive, even if they're incredibly slight. It still gives them a thing to play for, and I would also say it gives them a thing to play for long term
0: qualification. Maybe. Yeah,
1: that's yeah. that's true certainly. But I mean, like long term, I think if you start to embrace the idea, if you're Cuba, maybe that's a bad example. But if you are, say, Jamaica, who right now are like not in the top tier of teams in the Nations League, yeah. League but but you see it as like, but if we continue to compete, there's more opportunities for us to get maybe a World Cup spot or to kind of improve our ranking. So yeah, like we can build towards something as opposed to well, we're out, so we're out, and now we're gonna sit around and play yeah, games. Sit friendlies. around for
0: two years. Yep. So, so we can try and do. Yes. Yeah. This
1: again. yeah. Um, and then and then I also think that I am still not sold on it, but. It's tough when your first game is against Cuba. I think the games against Canada are going to be really fascinating and really exciting, and that will probably make me a bit more inclined to be psyched about the Nations League. But then obviously as we go further along, inevitably, hopefully, playing Mexico again in a competitive match, you wouldn't get that outside of what the Gold Cup, the World Cup, or maybe happening to cross paths with them in the Copa America. That's it.
0: And it's actually really important to play Mexico in a game with points on the line exactly. when you've got Greg Berhalter as your coach oh. because we learned in the most recent Mexico Friendly that he treats friendlies in a very sort of let's work on stuff kind of way yeah. instead of a let's try and win this game kind yes. of way so, but a game against Mexico where it actually matters where you can get knocked out of a competition uh, is much more useful which is much more enjoyable for yeah. us as fans to watch Yeah. you will get no arguments
1: from me my friend you will get no arguments from me you will
0: get no more questions from me because All right. we have answered all the Twitter questions apologies if you didn't get your question asked some were repeats right they're literally the same question because they didn't know someone else had asked it and then there were a lot of like questions about like how much can we even take from this game because it's Cuba? Ah. And I think we've already addressed that, so yeah, I didn't ask so. um, any of those questions. And Jim Proshai, yes, Cuba did have relevant players. <laughs> there we go. We answered that question for you. <laughs> All right, Tyler, we've talked at length yeah. uh, through many, many mile markers. Uh-huh. Um, is there anything in this huge conversation uh, that we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about in terms of USA-Cuba?
1: No, I don't think so. I think yeah. It was an enjoyable game, lots of good goals. A fun time had by all. A fun time had by all. Except for Cuba. (laughs) Maybe not Cuba's fullbacks. Yeah, (laughs) probably not. Um,
0: We will be back on Monday with a preview of USA v. Canada. Uh We've already watched a bit of Canada footage, Uh and it's quite interesting. Uh Like Jonathan David, Alfonso Davies, all that. They've got some interesting players. We'll watch even more and get a real good feel for Canada. Preview on Monday, then the game is Tuesday night, and we'll have a review for you uh, late Tuesday night.
1: You're going down, Canada. Taylor Rockwell your Mounties and your Mooses will cry Taylor
0: Rockwell thank you (laughs) for taking the time to talk to me today and drive me home
1: (laughs) right back at your buddy except for the driving part and also the day part because it's 1am oh dear
0: (laughs) Uh, listeners thank you for listening let us know if you enjoyed this
1: sort of Carpool Total Soccer Show. Daryl, if you if you can continue to ramble for like two more minutes, you will see the Richmond Skyline. And that's how good we've done. Is that but, oh yeah,
0: paramount? I don't think
1: you should do that. I think we should just celebrate the fact that we're almost near the Richmond skyline. But we should thank everybody for listening and hopefully the audio is okay. Hopefully it recorded, because if not, <laughs> I'm gonna be real real mad. It's gonna be my fault. I'm gonna be yeah. in trouble. <laughs> You're gonna kick me out in the
0: middle of 95. That is probably true. If you see me with my thumb out on the side of 95, you know things went wrong. Alright, <laughs> right, listeners, thank you for listening and we'll talk to you again on Monday.